everyone, and welcome to Race Time Radio. Hope you're enjoying your long holiday weekend here. Oh, man, can you believe it? July in the rearview mirror. Oh, my, oh, my. Uh, it's Joe Chisholm right here, along with Joe Chisholm Jr. in the Race Time Radio studio. So glad you could tune in tonight on Sirius XM Channel 167. We got two hours of race talk for you. Here, Ken Canada race talk. We're going to throw a little bit of U.S. in there as well. Let me tell you who we got coming up on the show tonight. Uh, we're going to kick it off big night at Sobble Speedway. And Junior and I are going to talk in length tonight about the Dash for Cash at Sobble Speedway and the deal that's happening there this year. I know we haven't, we've touched on it, but we haven't really drilled down into it. We're going to tonight. Uh, the Wednesday night Dash for Cash took place at Sobble on Wednesday night. The big winner taking home the big dough was Jason Parker, driver of the number eight. And uh, man, oh man, did he have a night. We got lots to talk to uh, with Jason. He is going to join the program tonight. Uh, let me see. We got Grand Enfinger. We're going to talk NASCAR trucks. Yes, the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. A little bit of a hiatus. These guys get a holiday at this time of the year. Of course, the Olympics are on. So uh, NASCAR pulling the reins back, and these guys getting a little bit of a break. Uh, so uh, we'll catch up with Grand Enfinger. It's been a while since we talked to uh, that marvelous driver behind the wheel of that truck. Uh, we'll catch up with him tonight. We'll also get off to Canada's east coast. We're going to go all the way out to the rock and we're going to check in with uh, Mike James from Eastbound International Speedway. And we'll find out what they got coming up next weekend. And uh, we'll see how the season's been so far. Uh, things moving along out there, I do believe. We'll check in with Mike a little bit later. But, Junior, what do you think, man? Uh, what that Wednesday night dash for cash? That thing was off the hook this year. Yeah, it was definitely pretty cool. There was uh, a lot of uh, a lot of really neat things uh, that took place uh, over the course of the weekend um, or, 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 or through the middle portion of the week. Um, it was uh, it was a lot of fun to you know take part in. Uh, it was kind of cool to uh, to kind of you know watch from watch from the outside, watch from the sidelines, if you will, and just kind of take it in and and see something come to life that uh, you know there's there's a handful of tracks that uh, you know kind of dabble with this in the United States. Um, I know Delaware Speedway has had you know a breakout rule per se uh, in the past in the Enduros. Um, based off of the speed in which the cars go in, in practice and then into the race. Um, and really, bracket racing is not new to motorsports whatsoever. When you look at, at bracket racing in general, um, you know, a, a lot of people point at bracket racing as the thing that saved drag racing. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. And, and, you know, drag racing was in a dark place at one point. Bracket racing came out. The ability to track the bracket racing came out. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that basically revitalized what was grassroots drag racing, um, for a long period of time, it fueled the growth of, of what you see today, um, you know, in, in the straight line community. Um, but you know, it, it is completely different. Um, and, and at Sobble Speedway, um, there's a set bracket and you can't break out of that bracket. If you do, you're disqualified. And, uh, you know, we've talked about that program. We've talked about the, the platform in the past on the show in brief passing. 
I know when it first came out, we talked about it in, in great length. Um, but uh, that was a year and a that half. That was ago. a year that, and a half ago before yep. COVID, right? Before it COVID. was all going to be launched the year that COVID. Uh, came out, but uh, you know, of course, we didn't know COVID was going to rear its head. Exactly, but that really put a damper on the whole program. Yeah, uh, to to just put it on hold. Never got a chance to uh, to get out of the box in 2020. Um, but you know, the 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 program now has got four nights on it. Um, you know, night number one, there was eight United Eights. Night number two, there was nine. Night number three, there was 14. And, and uh, lo and behold, uh, over at the Dash for Cash uh, on Wednesday night, there was, uh, there was 21 cars in the pit area. So, um, and, and a very diverse mix, I might add, which is really cool to see. But more importantly, a mixture of cars where they didn't have to change a lot to go and do this, yeah, to to go out and compete. You know, there was there was guys that tried different tires, and I I believe the guests that we've got coming up here, um, you know, guest number one with Jason Parker, um, he's one of those guys that made an adjustment and and tried a different set of tires, and and uh, you know. It, Racing is racing. Tires are tires. <laughs> and, um, you know, that is not a major adjustment fundamentally in a program. Um, you know, and, and uh, it was really cool to, uh, uh, to, to see it all take place. Uh, the atmosphere was really cool. Um, I think the neatest thing is that the tech man is the time clock. Yeah. You yeah. can only yell at a clock so much because it'll never yell back at you. <laughs> and uh, the atmosphere, you know, I think the number one thing across the board, you know, with racing today is just a, a constant need to to, you know, look across at your competitors and, and, and wonder, you know, and, and wonder what the competitor is doing beside you. Is he being teched? Is, are you exploiting everything that you can exploit? And I think that's a big fundamental, you know, part of what motorsports is today. And when you look at what we got to witness on, on Wednesday night, it, you didn't have that. No. You know, they looked at their competitor as, I want to beat you on the racetrack. I don't care about beating you in the tech shed. And, um, you know, I, I think we've seen a, a phenomenal race between Jason Parker, between Lane Zardo, and a guy who has not finished in the top three since 1997. Yeah. Mark yeah, Rugrock yeah. finished third. Um, you know, we had guys break out of the time, of course, in both the four cylinder and the eight cylinder. It's going to happen. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a great race. I think the fans enjoyed it. I heard oohs and ahs for the first time in a long time. You know, it's a normal thing to hear oohs and ahs at an APC event or at a, you know, a large pro late model race at Slavo Speedway. Um, but it's been a long time since the, the, you know, marquee division, if you will, at Solvel Speedway created oohs and ahs. And, you know, it goes back to when this guy was really competitive, uh, Jason Parker being um, a guy that was really competitive in that, you know, local limited late model division or the local Thundercar division, which was super stocks at the time. Um, you know, those divisions kind of dwindled off over the past five years. And, and uh, you know, it kind of revitalized and, and a lot of people took note. You want to believe it. Let's get to that hotline and let's bring in that winner of the Dash for Cash. And I might add, Jason Parker has been on fire this year, right from the drop of the green flag at the beginning of the season. He's got a couple of big wins and he joins us now on the hotline. Jay Parker, how are you tonight? Yeah, I'm great, Joe. How are you guys doing? Fantastic, my friend. Hey, congratulations on uh, on the big win on Wednesday night. Uh, couldn't happen to a better guy. And, man, that new car you got, everything seems to be just clicking perfect. 
Yeah, it was that was a big win, Joe. We uh, that kind of really was a, a kick that the team was looking for uh, here lately, and um, you know it was great, good timing, and everything for us. Jay, that is a brand new car for you too, right? That uh, brand new super stock, yeah. and uh, uh, that didn't look like you forgot anything on that machine, man. That thing is uh, a beautiful piece. Yeah, thanks, McCall's. Uh, McCall's. Uh, we we got together at the beginning of the year, and it it really stemmed from last year uh, with the with the invitationals that happened last year in the super stocks. It just it showed uh, it kind of showed that there was some uh, life there. There was a lot of cars and. We thought, well, that would be fun, you know, to jump into that and, and tour around, do some racing. So that car just made sense. So um, we built a new car o- over the off season. Now, right out of the box, we, we had a couple little issues. Um, you know, we, we finished all right, but it just wasn't quite there. But a few weeks ago, it went down back down to McCall's, and they uh, give it a little love, and it came back, and it's a rocket. And we, we literally haven't touched much since then. Uh, it's just been great the last two nights out. If you're just tuned into Race Time Radio, welcome aboard. We're with Jason Parker, driver the number eight. He is a super stock. He's also a United 8. Uh, he won the dash for cash, United 850, on Wednesday night at Sobel Speedway. Uh, Jay, fans know you. you got a lot of race fans across this province. Of course, you're an accomplished APC driver. Uh, you had a full program going in the APC series. And then, really, disaster struck. You uh, you got sick, and uh, we, you had to sell everything off. We kind of thought, you know, like, hopefully Jay Parker's going to be just fine, and everything turned out great, and now you're coming back into the sport. Man, that's a good story right there. Uh, disaster breaks out, you defeated it, and now you're back on the other side, and, and that's a huge feat in itself. Yeah, yeah, that's it, Joe. I mean, we, you know got delta hand it, it kind of sucked there for a bit but uh you know it was uh it was it was time to step back from the apc series regardless it just uh family life uh business everything it just that apc deal is amazing but it's a full-time commitment so uh my crew and myself just we were we were at a point where it it should have happened anyway so it was a good decision and uh and then you know with covid and everything else slowing things down we kind of just slowed it down and kind of thought we were done. But like I said, when there was all this excitement over some of these races, you know, between the United eights, the the series of super stocks, all this, it's kind of what we were looking for. We didn't, we weren't looking for a 20 race schedule with full points anymore. It was kind of, you know, pick our six or eight nights and go have some fun. So it, we're doing well this year with that. We're, uh, we're kind of picking the races we want, and so far it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> no, nothing wrong with that, Junior. you got to have fun in this sport, and by the sounds of it, uh, there's a lot of guys in Jason Parker's uh, realm, if you will. The Super Stock Series is definitely a great carrot for these guys to be active in that without spending a wad that you have to in the series. Everything has its place, yeah. and it's good to see. I mean, one of the biggest things that you see in in you know in all forms of motorsports is is the it, it's cyclical, right? There there's you know plenty of, of stories where where teams have scaled back, but you don't want to get you can't get out of the sport once you're in the sport. <laughs> you know you can sell everything. Um, you know we talked to Jonathan Hicken here uh, a few weeks back. 
Right. And he's even though he's not driving a pro stock tour car, his son is driving a Bandolero. Right. And he's still involved in the sport. And, and you know, it's it's where we all make friends and, and we all, you know, it, it becomes a lifestyle to a certain degree and, and a big part of your lifestyle if it's not your lifestyle. Jay, it so would drive you nuts if you couldn't be in the pits, right? You couldn't have gave this sport up totally. Exactly. It was tough. I mean, we all had to give it up for almost a year there. So, yeah. you know, you don't, you don't have, you don't feel so much pressure because everyone's in the same boat you are, but. It would have been probably real hard going back this year and not having anything to do with it. Now, I mean, my nephew, like Joe said, you, there's always ties to racing, so there's always a reason to go to the track. It's just a little different when you're not going to drive yourself. So I, I haven't really experienced that yet, and I'm kind of glad because I, I enjoy driving too much. Absolutely, 100%. Jason, uh, um, obviously, the uh, you know I, I think the, the big thing, and, and everybody you know at the beginning of – of this year for sure, uh, the Superstock rulebook uh, coming out, uh, you know, across the board, the, the Superstocks, you know, all the tracks got on board um, and and really laid it out there and 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 you know basically amalgamated the rulebook and and made a a platform for the Superstock division, uh, which then propelled into the Superstock Quick Wick. Uh, APC series, um, you know, the, the, the five race series that they've got, um, when you look at that competition level, and I think it's been building, you know, for the past couple years, uh, even prior to COVID, um, you know, at Jucasa Speedway, you know, we've seen some of those big invitationals and, you know, we've seen 35, 40 cars uh, show up for a big super stock race at Jucasa prior to the series. And now the series is going. Uh, I think that, you know, everybody, even, even the fans, the competitors would, would call it a massive success uh, because of great car counts, because of great exposure and, and great excitement behind it. Um, and and the, the coolest part about the series is, you know, the names that are in it. You know, you've got Parkers, you've got Tamirzmas, you've got Bakers, you've got, you know, uh, Collivers, you've got the existing names that, that were in the Superstock realm or getting into it, the Dysons of the world and, uh, the, you know, Kenny Groob and Lane Zardo and those names. Are, are all you know a big part of Saturday Night Racing here in Ontario? They have been for a long time, but we would only see them get together for specials. Now you're seeing them together more on a, a collective basis. Um, what is it like to be a part of that portion? And was that a big you know decision maker in getting involved in the Super Stock Division? Oh, absolutely. I mean, in every class, there's there's you know guys that are are struggling slightly and guys that are at the top, but but in every class, the, the, it's tough. I mean, um, so, like, dropping from APC to Superstock, uh, the com- competition is still as fierce as ever. Like, 100%. the guys in the Superstock class are top-notch. And, I mean, we went to Delaware Speedway with a good car and a good crew and a good everything, and I qualified 25th. Like, I barely made the wow. race. So it just shows the caliber of the guys in there. Like you go, you go to a, a way track, you might as well call it, and you better have your stuff together because the home track boys certainly do. And then, and you, you know, if you mess it a little bit, you're in the last chance qualifier. Exactly. Yeah, one hundred percent. And 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 on that competition level, you know, we we've had this same conversation with J.R. Fitzpatrick a lot. He, he, you know, and and he used the analogy. It doesn't matter if they're racing a shopping cart or if they're racing a a super late model at their home track. The home track boys are 
are, are you know they've got it figured out they've got it dialed in and and you're racing against the best of the best and and you've got to go out there and 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 compete against that um and you know we're seeing we're seeing a lot of exciting things um from from that superstock portion now to to kind of loop it in now um, at the beginning of, of 2020, um, w- w- the Sobel Speedway launched the United 8s, uh, the, the platform itself um, of, of bracket racing with the intention of, of, you know, having a super stock that is competitive anywhere, be able to come in and, and not change their car, but also race for, you know, a, a, a you know, a, a sizable carrot on the other side with payout, with, with excitement and all of those things. Um, how would you rate your experience with the United eights now? Uh, you're a diehard racer. You've always wanted to go as fast as humanly possible behind the wheel. It's been the number one thing that you've thought about in the car. Well, maybe not, you know, setup wise and stuff like that, but, but you always want to go as fast as humanly possible. Did it feel like you were going as fast as humanly possible when you rolled out on the racetrack on Wednesday night? At, at times, definitely. I mean, it's far exceeded what I expected um, when I, when the, the whole program got put together. You know, a lot of people maybe were skeptic or didn't understand it or whatever you want to call it. But um, the t- I'll give you guys a lot of credit on the time you picked. And I don't know if you just pulled that out of your butt or how it's come <laughs> up, but it's a perfect time. Like, I think that the guys that are there running hard to get to that time and then there's a you know if you bring a car that it can exceed that well you got to tone it back a little bit but i don't think you could have picked a better time it, it seems to be right on the money so to come out of the box with the right time on your first go you guys uh like i said i don't know if you're lucky or good but whatever it is you did it well we got to give credit to where credit is due and i got to give that credit to junior he took the numbers jason he took the numbers over three years uh, from the super stocks and from the limited late models and everything else. And he tried to digest them all and come up with a fair breakout number. And uh, by God, uh, you know what? He's done it. He's done it. I got to give him the credit for it. I basically uh, said, what do you think? And he, uh, he gave me his thoughts and he was dead not, dead, dead on. Uh, by the by the way, everything's going so far. Uh, I'll tell you what. Uh, everybody's got to be happy. The fans uh, we're cheering. Uh, the fans were excited. And I'll tell you what, you guys behind the wheel of these race cars are putting on a show. And at the end of it, uh, you just head back to your trailer and celebrate the night. And I think that is maybe the part, Jay, that was uh, was difficult. And it is difficult when you're running under a rule book setting and all cars are supposed to be somewhat built the same. Uh, it's kind of refreshing to see the variety that's on the racetrack, the competition that's on the racetrack, and most of all, I think the fire of the teams looking on a Friday night saying, man, or, or maybe not a Friday night, or through the week, what can we do to our car to get Jason a little more off the turn? He wants a little more, but we got to be careful. We can't break the time, and we don't want to blow a whole pile of money doing it. I think it's working, and that's the key. Yeah, I mean, it used to take thousands of dollars to find a tenth of a second. So now, you know, if you if you are struggling a little bit, you can find a tenth with a carburetor change or, a, you know, a, a, re, a chip change or, or tires or something. Like, you know, now it's, you know, you can get a tenth with a thousand bucks instead of ten thousand bucks. So it, it, there's something to be said about that. Like a guy that, you know, maybe didn't think he could compete can throw a thousand bucks at it and all of a sudden now he's in the game. 
Yeah, exactly. What's it like to detune? Did you have to do any kind of detuning, or did you and the crew, you know, well, maybe maybe let the mind go to, oh, guys, what happens if we break the time? How are we going to pull the rain back, but yet keep the competition in Jason Parker's hands? This is where guys like Jason Parker are going to be cagey. You realize that, well, right? I know. They're, they're, I know. This is where guys, you know, <laughs> that are at the top. I'm not if, asking them what he changed. I'm I want to know. I want to know what he changed. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I'll tell you, the crew nailed it, boys. I can't. Uh, I, I mean, we we put some effort into it, I, and I'll tell you, a, a lot of it was luck. We um, we the, we know that car pretty good now, and um, we didn't know what we were going to run for times and stuff with these different combinations. And and missing a missing a night there with a rain out there a couple weeks or a week and a half ago, right. that was going to be a test night for us. So that kind of threw us into we didn't know what we were going to have Wednesday night, but um, we unloaded and we were. We actually broke the time in practice, so it was like, ooh, yeah. what do we do now? So, uh, you know, 20 years of this, you kind of know what the night's going to bring, what the tires are going to do, stuff like that. And and uh, we made a few, let's call it good decisions or gases or whatever you want to call them. And uh, I think I ran a 15-4-2. Wow. So two one-hundredths of a second. So. I can say it's skill, but it's not. It was just luck. We were we were close, and we had a great time, and and uh, and the car was awesome. Do you think you would feel as a driver? Do you think you would feel a tenth of a second, maybe two tenths of a second behind the wheel on a lap? Do you think you would feel that, or is that something that maybe is out of the realm? You wouldn't actually feel it. There's not a chance. There's not a chance. I mean, we're out there going around at, at a mid-15 to a, a high-15. I mean, we used to go in the low-14s in a pro-late. And, I mean, you're still going down the straightaway. Like, it, it's still happening so fast. You don't know a difference of a second, let alone a tenth of a second. Like, it, it's you're just driving, you know what I mean? It's instincts and whatever, but you're not – you're definitely not counting the half seconds as you're going around the track. We've had we've had that conversation quite a few times with a lot of different guys, and and it doesn't matter if it's on the four cylinder side or if it's on the eight cylinder side. It doesn't matter if you have a, a, a you know a top of the line APC car or a you know top of the line super stock or a top of the line hot rod, any type of variation there thereof. Um, it's tough to go fifteen four around Sobble Speedway. Like no, no matter what, yeah. you know it, it is it is relatively difficult to to do that. You know, and and you know it takes guys you know fundamentally a long time to be able to hustle a car through the ends at fifteen four, fifteen three, fifteen five in that realm. Um, and you know it, it it takes a considerable amount of driving skill to be able to do that, no matter what you have underneath you, uh, and no matter what the rule book says. So I think that that is a, a limiting factor. If it was like a a sixteen second class, I think it would be a lot easier because it would be relatively simple to get there, you know, and yeah. and and relatively simple to whether it be detune or 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 you know uh, uh, set it up so that you could go faster. Um, you know, with an older car, um, I think it would be relatively simple to hit that 16 second mark where that, that threshold between 15, eight and 15, six is a deep threshold and, and you're hustling through the center of the corner. You're using a lot of brake. You're using a lot of wheel input. And the second that you do that, 
is the second that you screw up. And, and it doesn't matter how good you are. And a exactly. lot of It doesn't matter how good you are. Eventually, you're going to turn the wheel, you know, a quarter inch too much or you're going to use, you know, 100 pounds too much brake pressure or whatever that might look like. And the second you do that, you scrub off two tenths or three tenths or four tenths, and and you're you're now you're hitting you know fifteen eighths, and uh, uh, that is one thing that I find really exciting. And I urge everybody, if you're going to be sitting in the grandstands or in the pit area, download Race Monitor. As racers, we've had it on our phones for years, right? right the right. general fan base never really had Race Monitor, right? right. But uh, you want to have you want to have fun. Watch a United Eight race with a a Race Monitor. In, in front head. of you, and you watch the guys cross the line and watch the times that they're hitting. And even you, Jason, by the end of that race, you were turning eights and nines. Same with Zardo, same with Rugrock, and and Thompson out back was running sixes. So he was running his running his down. Um, just you running know, another time exactly. We, so it was. We must have had a plug wire come off or something, Joe. I think. <laughs> yeah, you were lifting really early. <laughs> oh come on now! <laughs> Incredible. It was fun to watch. It was a dynamite race, and uh, well, it's been more than one dynamite race. But Jason Parker, you did it uh, Wednesday dash for cash. You're the guy taking home all the big marbles. Uh, a dynamite job. You got a lot of great sponsorship on that number eight, and I'll tell you, the team, you guys all look fantastic. Who is it that's uh, on that car with you? Yeah, okay, you're going to put me on the spot now. i got to close my eyes and remember this. But Mowbray's Canadian Tire in Port Algon, uh, McDonnell Fuels, Felgen Shorts Transmission, uh, Leading Edge Earthworks, uh, RGC Sports, um, K&K Lawn Care in Port Algon, Virtue Farms, uh, Cape Wright, Ron Gibbons Construction, uh, Can, uh, sorry, Just Foment in Durham, He's I hope I didn't forget anybody. Um, I think that's it. But I mean, yeah, I got a great group of guys there. They've been with me for years, and and uh, the, not only they're my sponsors, most of them are my good friends, and uh, you know they've been around racing for a long time too. And we just love it. It's hard to give it up. So a lot of nights, like Wednesday night, they love it as much as I do. So it's uh, it's good. And and after trying to do a burnout Wednesday night there, I need yeah. good sponsors because that that didn't go so well. That uh, I spent twelve hours yesterday fixing stuff and i never had a scratch on the car after the race so the the 50 and a half laps that it cost me a lot of money <laughs> oh man that that sucks when you gotta burn all the money you made fixing the car after doing the burnout buddy what? Last one ever, Joe, I promise you. When I heard the clinging and clanging, I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> we don't even want to start with the list of stuff. I bet. <laughs> so, Jay, when is your next race? What's the plan going forward before we cut you loose here, buddy? Well, I am sitting in the campground at Sunset Speedway right now, getting ready for tomorrow to race. Uh, Sunset's got a race where they bumped up the pay bet on the Super Stocks for tomorrow. Um, uh Gilster's Night of Thunder, they're calling it here, so we're gonna we're gonna give that a shot. Um, I believe it's a 50 lapper tomorrow night, so let's hope the weather uh, turns out good for all tracks. I mean, you guys got a big one going on there, so let's hope that no rain for anybody and we can get some racing in. Absolutely, well said, Jay. I know we look forward to seeing you back on home soil one of these nights before the end of the season. And we can't thank you enough for the time tonight. Congratulations on all the success, man. It looks good on you. 
Yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks, uh, Joe. We'll talk again. You want to believe it? That's Jason Parker, driver of the number eight. What a job that guy did, not only in that race, but Junior, he beat the Lucas guys, too. Well, not the Lucas guys, the sportsman guys. Yeah, the Ontario the, Sportsman The week series. before, or not the week before, because it was rained out the week before that. Uh, but that was uh, his maiden voyage, a hundred-lap race. He ran the fastest time of the race. Uh, out of 100 laps, lap number five was the golden goose, if you will, for Jay that night. And he didn't, uh, what was he, two tenths off the, uh, the, the, the breakout time. Yeah. But, of course, in that race, no breakout time was set because it was a sportsman race. Yeah, absolutely. It wasn't a United 8 race. But it was interesting still to look at those times, see what the competitors were doing, and sort of look at it. If it was a United 8 race, what would it look like? Yeah. And not one of them would have broke the time. No, and, and he turned the second fastest lap of the race in the sportsman race. Kevin Gallant turned the fastest lap time um, with a 5-0, and he turned a 5-1. So he was right there. It was like right one one-hundredth of a second off. Yep. Um, but when you look at uh, you, you know Jason Parker, I don't think, and I, you, you can't necessarily quote me on this, but he built a super stock this year, and he's yet to stand in victory lane as a super stock, but he's won in the OSS, and he's won in the United States. So he hasn't won a, a sanctioned super stock race yet. <laughs> Not With yet. a super stock. It's coming. Uh, the, the race that Jason touched on, uh, Saturday night, Sunset Speedway, uh, it's $2,000 to win for the, for the super stocks. Uh, there's going to be a pile of cars there. You know, that's a, a chance for him to, you know, bring home another $2,000. Um, Wednesday night, he won two grand at Saw. And now you can run for two thousand dollars on on you know uh, on Sunday or on Saturday night uh, over at Sunset over in Innisville. So uh, that's a that's a lot of payout to run for in uh, in a very short amount of time. And and uh, hats off to them. It's uh, it's going to be exciting and and looking forward to uh, to seeing what all takes place uh, over at Sunset. And that is a super stock race, not a United Eight race. The only place you're going to see one of them in two thousand twenty one is going to be at Saba. We're going to talk more about it, but we got to take a break. And uh, Junior and I will be back. And if you don't know what we're talking about, we're going to break it down for you on the other side of the break and maybe really clarify the picture for you. Stay with us. We will be back. Hey, race fans. J.R. Fitzpatrick, driver of number 84. You're listening to Race Time Radio. From coast to coast, coast. you're listening to Canada Talks. Race Time Radio is brought to you by RPM Race Parts. Order today, race tomorrow. Also by VP Race Fuels, the worldwide leader in race fuel technology. And by Dawson Dental Centers. Get your victory lane smile at DawsonDental.ca. Even though Napa is a nationally known name, Nearly all of our stores are built from the ground up by local owners and families. People you might call neighbors will be here, there, and everywhere. Doing what neighbors do to keep their communities moving forward. You stop by a Napa Auto Parts store, you can count on Napa know-how. Race Time Radio is brought to you by GetRackHunter.com. Take your shot, pull the trigger, and join Hunter Nation. On both sides of the border at GetRackHunter.com. Canadians will camp like never before this season. Family time will be spent outside. 
around the campfire. Be prepared for all the elements. Be sure to pack Quick Wick Fire Starters. No need to haul paper or kindling. Just pop a Quick Wick Fire Starter into the pit. Add your wood and presto. You're a professional camper. Let the stories begin. Quick Wick Fire Starters. Making social distancing bonfires fun. If you're a Springsteen fan, you just found the promised land. Hear rare interviews and performances. Live concerts. Is there anybody alive out there? Celebrity guest DJs. This is Rob Lowe. Hey, baby, it's little Steven here. And more exclusives when listening to Bruce Springsteen's channel. Welcome, Bruce Springsteen, to E Street Radio, your home away from home. Great to be here. E Street Radio, Sirius XM Channel 20. Tonight's Race Time Radio is brought to you by Napa Auto Parts Stores, Port Hawkesbury, New Glasgow, and Andy Ganesh, Nova Scotia. Also by APX Racewear and Quickwick Fire Starters, the world's best fire starter. Race Time Radio to go. Streaming live or on demand. And welcome back, everybody, to Race Time Radio, live tonight on Sirius XM, Channel 167, Canada Talks. I am Joe Chisholm, along with Joe Chisholm Jr., right here in the Race Time Radio studio. We still have Grand Endfinger to come up. We're going to talk NASCAR Camping World Trucks. We're also going to go all the way out to Newfoundland. Well, we're not physically going to go out there. I wish we could, though. I love going out there. Uh, we're going to go out there on the hotline, and we are going to bring in Mike James here shortly, and we're going to talk about Eastbound International Speedway, a beautiful facility out there in Newfoundland. I thought it would be a great time to get Mike on here. Holiday time is upon us. And a lot of people head out to Newfoundland, either people that used to live out there going back home to see everybody, or a lot of people just going out to Newfoundland to check it out. Um, and, and I urge everybody to do that. It's a beautiful, beautiful province. And, of course, out there on the rock. Uh, spent a couple of years out there at Eastbound International Speedway as a race director, helping Bob Smith and Patty Squires and Mike and all of those guys and uh I'll tell you what, beautiful place. If you're going to Newfoundland, you have to check out that racetrack. You want to talk about a nice short track? They got it. And a drag strip and go-karts and the whole shot. But we will get into all that in just a bit uh, when we get Mike James on the hotline. And uh, But long before that, I really want to spend just a little bit of time here and explain to our listeners what the United 8 class and the Combined Four class is all about at a short track, normally, uh, at every short track, right across this country, right across the United States. Um, it, you, classes are set up uh, at a short track and in divisions, in, in a class or a division, call it what you will. They've got a rule book that they have to follow. So let's take, for instance, a four-cylinder car. Say you're going to be... Uh, you want to get into the sport, um, and, you know, you're not going to start out with a Bandolero or a Legend car, uh, which is a great starting point on my dad, but not all racetracks offer that program. But I can pretty well guarantee whatever racetrack you're looking at, whether it be dirt or asphalt, uh, will offer up a four-cylinder class for you to get involved with. Now, uh, when you take a look at that four-cylinder class, Junior, there is a billion different four-cylinder cars, and not all of them fit 
every rule book because everybody's rule book seems to be a little bit different. Their uh, tech procedures are different. Um, and I, let's face it, there is so many different combinations of a four-cylinder car. Some have double overhead cams. Some have this. Some have that. The others don't have this. And what you try and do as a racetrack is put a rules package together to make it competitive so that everybody's got at least a fair opportunity, if you will, to go out and win themselves a race. But there's only so much you can do, and you have to have a rule book that is somewhat balanced out. That's the whole idea of a rule book, right? Yeah, definitely. A rule book um, isn't meant to create close racing. It's a byproduct of a good rule book. Um, the, you know, at, at the end of the day, um, you know, I think everybody would echo this. A rule book is meant to limit the cost uh, to teams and and to limit the in ingenuity and 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 slow down the pace of of uh you know slow down the pace of production <laughs> i guess is the best way of putting it you know the the ingenuity portion is going to is going to come from racing you're going to want to beat everybody uh no different than playing football if you don't work out and you don't you know work on cardio and you don't run and you don't learn how to hit and you don't do that um, you're not going to be a good football player. Well, the the difference is 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 in racing. Um, you as a driver, you have to be a good driver, but you also have to have a good car in order to do this. Yeah, you got to have good equipment because the guy on the other side of you is going to have a good car and and he's going to be able to drive equally or or better than you. And so when you look at at you know the general situation on the grassroots side of things. Um, you know, it, racing back in the 60s, well, back in the f 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, into the 70s, you, you know, would get a car that was on the road and you would make it into a race car. Yeah, you'd knock the windows and, up, put yeah, a road exactly. cage and you would and... You would make changes to that car to make it go faster. Um, you know, over the years, that has become increasingly difficult, especially with eight-cylinder cars, especially with, um, you know, the, the full-body, late-model style cars. They've transitioned into a purpose-built race car where, you know, a, a chassis builder will build you a chassis and they'll build every part and piece and they'll, they'll basically, you know, exploit every rule in a rule book. Um, in order to make that car go as fast as possible. Yeah, what's the line in Days of Thunder? There's yeah. nothing stock about a stock car. Nothing stock about that stock car. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but when you look at, at the, the, the landscape of, of motorsports, really, the only division now, aside from, you know, some tracks still have a street stock class, if you will, right? A street stock class, which is like a V8. Um, they haven't made 85 Monte Carlos it, since it, 1985. Exactly. So, you know, the, the metric days are gone. They're still using hybrids of metric chassis. And, and, you know, there's classes with metric front clips and there's classes with metric rear ends and, and there's overslung and there's underslung and there's all these different formulas to what a race car class can be um the the chassis builders themselves find out how to notch the front clip to get more travel or to uh get you know more camber gain or or whatever it might be to make that car go faster and i, I don't want to get too technical for that's the people right who don't i was know. just gonna say reel it back but, here let's get back into when a four you, cylinder when you look at at the four cylinder class it has influence the the thing about racing is you'll never forget what you've already learned 
and racers talk to other racers. So, you know, a, a guy who has a four-cylinder today is going to talk to a guy that owns a late model at some point or a super stock or a, a modified, right? And they're going to come up with ideas on how to make that, that four-cylinder go faster. And, and they can't is, do it within the rules. Normally, well, you, they can't do things. Well, the, so they're the, trying to go between the rules exactly. and operate in the gray area. And what yep. I was getting at yep. was with the four-cylinder class, with all the variety of cars that are out there today, remember, it's not just the big three uh, putting cars out. We used to just see Fords or Chevys or, or Dodges, you know, a lot of neons, a lot of whatever in Chevrolet or Ford. But not so today. You got Kia, you got Nissan, you got all the different brands, Honda, and the list goes on and on. So from a tech standpoint and trying to write a, a rule book, oh, it, like it's, it's like, impossible. It is virtually impossible to come up with a real good set of rules in the class uh, to govern those guys, to try and keep the money limited. You'll never eliminate it, but you want to limit it so that people can afford to get into the entry-level racing at their local short track to get them involved too, in- with the sport. And at Sobble Speedway, yep. the class, the four-cylinder class that we had, only had like six or seven cars. Yep. And you can't operate with six or seven cars and and try and entice a grandstand full of people to come out and see just a few cars. Now, yep. uh, even the guys in the class, they want to race against more cars. Yeah. But if there's not more cars coming out because, oh, well, we can't have this kind of car because it's going to be better than those six. So we can't have this and we can't have this and we can't have that. So eventually you're eliminating all the different potentials. And every time you eliminate one, it eliminates that that that, that style of car yeah. or maybe that, that bunch of guys. So what we came up with collectively was we wanted to do something totally, and I mean totally different than everybody else. Because if you do the same thing, you're going to get the same result. So we've been doing that over the course of time, and we keep getting the same result. That's less cars, less interest, and less people heading to the racetrack. So in and, 2000... And less competition. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Less competition between the cars that are on the track. Mm-hmm. It seemed like the gap, the front guy is getting further out. Yeah. When, when you're trying to tighten the rule book for the sole reason that there is a group of guys that are going too fast... You ex- they they find new ways to exploit that rule and they they end up going faster. Yeah. And the guys who are just learning they 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 don't have that. Um, they, they don't have access to it. They get demoralized. It's not fun losing a race. No. If you're you're in this game because you have an ego, and that's the that's the long and the short of it. If you know a race car driver. They are headstrong and they are they have an ego and, and they are competitive. I don't care if they win. I don't care if they're playing volleyball, if they're playing cards, if they're playing darts or if they're racing a race car. Everyone that straps a helmet on is competitive. Yes. And they want when, to be competitive. When you when you look at the grand scheme of things, um you know, over time, uh the four-cylinder division, the eight-cylinder divisions, right, with an S on the end, all of them um, have have went down the same path, and and really it it's it's because the entire industry has went down that path, right? Mm, it's yeah. there isn't a whole lot of variation. There's a rule book. Here's your rules. Build a car within it. Go race. 
and we will determine after if it was a good race or not. And, you know, we might write new rules and we might change them. And right. and there's been a million rule changes between all the racetracks in in, in North America. And the rule book keeps getting the, thicker and thicker. It keeps on getting thicker and thicker. And keeps eliminating different people exactly. and parts. So and the, eventually you're going to run out. The biggest thing, you know, when you look at it, back in the 70s, and I'm going to throw out a couple of names that probably everybody here knows. Junior Hanley, Don Biederman. Uh, guys like Andy Schmidt or Dick Trickle, um, you know, Terry Seneker, all those big names. Right. They would show up at a racetrack, and if they went out there and they won, they celebrated. And right. they got excited, they celebrated, and then they loaded it on the trailer, they went to the next race, and they expected to win. Mm-hmm. Well, everybody that got their butts kicked, they rolled their cars in the shop, scratched their head, had a beer, and figured out what the hell to do to that car to make it go faster. Right. And the answer was not a hundred changes. The answer was one change or two changes, maximum. They would change an intake manifold. They would change a carburetor. They would change something fundamental with that race car. They would change, you know, uh, they would find a new setup with the rear-end geometry. They would find a new setup with the front-end geometry that was a fundamental change. Today, within the rule book, you cannot make a fundamental change. If your car is legal within a rule book, right. you cannot make one fundamental change and pick up a half a second. No. You cannot do it. You can't. And if you can, you didn't do your homework in the beginning, you still need to pick up another two seconds. Right. So, right. so in, in the grand scheme of things, you cannot make one fundamental change. One fundamental change is expensive when you start adding up fundamental changes. That's right. So if you decide, you know, look, I need, you know, 20 more horsepower and I will beat that guy tomorrow. Mm. I will beat that guy next weekend. Well, then you get into a piston match and the other guy now needs 20 more horsepower. Now the other guy needs 20 more horsepower and it goes back and forth. And now all of a sudden that car is lightning fast. It's an incredible amount of money, and you need to start writing rules. And it's probably outside the guidelines of the intended rules that were written. Correct. Now, i got to rewind the clock here a little bit uh, to the end of the 2019 season at Sauble Speedway. Um, Paul Grizel and I sat down and said, man, we got to do something different. We have to. Uh, the car counts are dropping off. They continue to drop off we got to come up with something different. And I can remember you distinctively, Junior, saying, hey, hey, Dad, listen, uh, I got an idea. Why don't you try um, doing, uh, doing something different? We'll uh, govern the cars by a lap time because everybody's got electronic scoring. Wow, it just hit my mic. Everybody has a transponder in the car now and tracks our track has got a brand-new scoring system with a computer that logs the cars, maps the cars uh, as they cross the line, and all of their times come up real-time as the cars go across the line. And you said, what do you say we take a page out of drag racing and we will put a time that the guys cannot exceed, and if they exceed that time, like go faster than the posted time for everybody— then, then they break out of the time and you just send them back to the pit for that race. They're not disqualified, but they're not allowed to continue in that race. They go back to the pit and the next race, well, they can just come right back out. The idea is two main rules. One of them, 
the car must be safe. The second idea or uh, the second rule, do not break the time that is posted. I can clearly remember you saying that to me in a condensed one, two minute word uh, sort of sentence. And I looked at you and I said, Joe, you are crazy. You are technically, clinically nuts. It'll never work. I'm not even going to entertain the idea. And you said, wait, 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 let me tell you. And I said, no, forget it. It's the stupidest idea I've ever heard. Please, Joe, come on. I got to come up with something that's going to work good for Sobel. And you said, but, but, but. And I said, no, just forget it. And I walked away. And I remember you saying, Dad, you got to listen to me. And I said, no, I'm not going to. And I walked away. I did think about it. I went out to the garage. I sat down. And I started thinking about the statement that you said, and I, I, I stayed out there for two hours. I distinctively remember sitting out in the garage, listening to Sirius XM, listening to my 70s channel, thinking the whole time, that would never work. That, it, it just, why would guys want to do that? That's never going to work. But you know what? There is. It works good in drag racing. Why wouldn't it work good in oval track well, I'm thinking drag racing, there's two cars, and oval track, you could have up to 24 of them out there. How is that going to work? Is it going to be nose-to-tail right? I got all these things flying through my head. At the end of two hours, I went, I, I got to listen. I got I to know more. So I walked back into the house, and I said, okay, okay, listen, I, I think your idea is dumb, but I want to hear more. And you said, good, now listen to me. And you laid out the fundamentals for what? The combined four classes with the United Eight class. You said if this will work for uh, four cylinders, it'll work for eight cylinders. It would work for anybody. He said, but let's talk about this. Remember back in the day, and that's where you said back in the 70s, in the 60s, there wasn't all these race parts available at your fingertips. Yeah. There wasn't. You couldn't pick up the phone and order this specific part that looks like it's stock and it feels like it's stock and it'll measure like it's stock, but it isn't stock. It's a performance-enhancing piece that's $1,000 or whatever. I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah. All of that didn't exist when this game started. Like you say, you used to take a car, knock the windows out, put a roll cage in, and go to the racetrack, paint a number on it, and we all know the pictures from back in the day. Yeah. And that's the way it was. And you said, Dad, throw the tech book out the window. Let these guys do whatever they want to do. Do not turn anybody away. Don't turn anybody away. If it's a four-cylinder car, I don't care what it is. I don't care what configuration it is. There's two things. It has to be safe, and it can't break the time. Yep. Dad, let's use today's technology that no one's using so far other than to keep track of who went across the line. Let's take today's technology, today's car, and yesterday's car and amalgamate it all together, and let's see what happens. And we'll pay some good money, and let's see what happens. Well, that idea fermented in amongst you and I yep. for probably a month. Before we, we talked to anybody about before it. Before we talked to anybody yeah. about it. And we yeah. tried to sit there and poke holes in it amongst each other. Yeah, and, and, and it's the normal holes. So we, as a race fan, you're sitting there thinking about it right now. And you're like, well, that's dumb. You, 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 the whole point is to go as fast as possible. Well, the whole point in any race is to go as fast as possible or as fast as the, the car will allow you to go. So if you set your car in practice that you're driving as hard as you can possibly drive and you hit 15 four 
Right. But you can't get any better than that. Then in the race, you're not going to get better than that either. No. But that means that everybody else has to do the same thing. Right. So right. everybody else has to set their car so that as hard as they drive, it's going to hit 15-4. And it's not going to go over that. If no. you try to make your car go over that, you're going to pay the price. You're going right. to get disqualified. But then Not disqualified. No. You're, you're but just you going to go off the you're track. You're going to go off the track. But, right. but regardless, when when... You know, you have too much car for the division, you're actually penalized. Yes. And when you have enough car for the division, you're rewarded. You're going to be rewarded if you can for drive. consistency. Exactly. If you can drive, if you can, you know, keep the car together, if you can do all those great things. The the main thing about it, and I do not, I, like, and, and I've had this conversation with a number of people. Racetrack or race car builders are are and race teams themselves they are their own worst enemy yeah, when it comes time are. for the sport because they want to build their fastest car. Right. Well, right. when they build the fastest car, the tech man looks under the hood and says, well, that's different. That's different. Those aren't allowed anymore. Right. And now it just got into a big, or, big war of spending money. Or they allow it. Yep. They write the rule in to allow it. And yep. then everybody else's car has got to do it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. So right now, when you look at it, there's a reason why you have to go and spend 65 or call it $45,000 on a race car today to be competitive. You know, Jason Parker's car that we were just talking to is mm. top of the line. It is sure state it of is. the art. It is a beautiful race car. Yep. And he always has brought a beautiful race car to the race track. Always. And there's a reason why he didn't buy a $15,000 car and make it look pretty. Even though he can drive the wheels off He can off drive the wheels off of a $15,000 car. Yep. yep. Would it be as competitive as what he's got today? And I'm not saying that car, I guarantee you. You know, if you put the super stock tires back on it and you put the carburetor back on, like him and I had a conversation, the only thing he did was carburetor and, and tires. Some tires, yep. He's like, if I if I put those back on, I would roll through any tech shed in Ontario in super stock yep. and be fully legal. One hundred percent fully legal and and competitive. But the opposite can't be said. If you have an older car, you cannot make it competitive without those fundamentals, without oh, making those yeah, fundamental yeah. changes. Yeah, yeah. And that is more than just a little chop cut rebuild. It is a complete fresh start because you, your your base model, your baseline has changed. So yeah. you can't make those old work boots brand new. There's a place. There is a place, and there always will be for the teams who can afford to do anything within a rule book to go as fast as possible. That is APC racing. That is Pro Stock Tour racing. That is Tour Mods, NASCAR Pinties, NASCAR Cup Series. Yes, there's a place for those guys. Yep, and. Those guys there probably could afford to race with no rule book and no time limit. Right. And right. they would still put on a good show. Your local Saturday night guys can't afford that, number one, because they can't afford to spend not everybody in the field can afford to no. spend, you know, forty forty grand on a brand new race car. Right. And and have the potential to wreck it and all those things. The main thing though with this entire platform is that the guy with the old car is no longer penalized. No, no two cars are the same on the and racetrack. The guys not have power. Have the same speed. The guys have power down the straightaway, and then they can't turn. There's guys that can get through the turn, and they can't go down the straightaway. There's guys with equally balanced cars that are mediocre through both, and they are racing side by side. And when one screws up, there's passing. There's comers. There's goers. It's everything that you want in a race with no gimmicks and no. BS. So it's it's really cool to see, and I think it's going to evolve as these guys get better at it. 
I've got a hither break here, Junior. We got to do that. I'm going to tell you how, if you want to, you can have a look at what the United A class is all about. You can actually watch the race that Jason Parker won on Wednesday night. And, uh, hey, you're a short track race fan. Trust me, you want to see this video. I'll tell you how on the other side of the break. Stay with us. <laughs> you want to talk Throw dirt racing, we got the dirt guy. Yeah, absolutely. That's All right. How dirty can we get? Ahead, <laughs> I'm Pete Becknell from Merrittville Speedway, and you're listening to Race Line. Oh. <laughs> I knew I, I knew I'd do that. <laughs> Here, is this a test? Hi, I'm Pete Becknell from Merrittville Speedway, and you're listening to Race Time Radio. From coast to coast, coast. you're listening to Canada Talks. Race Time Radio is fueled by BP Race Fuels, the worldwide leader in race fuel technology. Dawson Dental Centers, get your victory lane smile at DawsonDental.ca. Finally, winter is in the rearview mirror. Camping this year is going through the roof. Be prepared for your getaway. Pack a good supply of Quick Quick Fire Starters. Seasoned pro campers have been using Quick Quick Fire Starters for over 30 years. No need to take paper or kindling. Just add your wood and your Quick Quick Fire Starter and let the stories begin around the campfire. Quick Quick Fire Starters, the official starter of spring and summer. Rev TV, your motorsports and automotive destination, is now on free previews all July. Watch live races from around the world and right here at home. From two wheels to four and so much more, Rev TV is your source for motorsports. Rev TV features exclusive race series, up-to-date news coverage, documentaries, how-to programs, and adrenaline-filled lifestyle programs 24-7. Rev TV offers you the best seat in the house to feel the rush. Go green with Rev TV. Contact your TV provider to order. Even though Napa is a nationally known name, nearly all of our stores are built from the ground up by local owners and families. People you might call neighbors will be here, there, and everywhere. Doing what neighbors do to keep their communities moving forward. You stop by a Napa Auto Parts store, you can count on Napa know-how. Tonight's Race Time Radio is brought to you by Napa Auto Parts Stores, New Glasgow, Andy Ganesh, and Port Hawkesbury, Nova Scotia. You can count on Napa know-how. Men, 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 morning men. Hi, I'm Evan Cohen, and I'm Mike Babchuk. We were given 30 seconds to describe our show, Morning Men, on Mad Dog Sports Radio, so I'll ask you some questions, and you give me the answers. What do we do for fun? You go to the diner with your family. Me? I drink and forget I have a family. Biggest crush? You? Tom Brady. Me? Anyone in yoga pants. What do we want to do more of? You? Talk about what happened the night before in the world of sports. Me? I would like to do more of my wife. I think we just ran out of time. Morning Men, 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern, Mad Dog Sports Radio, Sirius XM 82, and the Sirius XM app. Tonight's Race Time Radio is brought to you by Rev TV Canada, Canadian Tire Motorsport Park, and by GetRackHunter.com. Race Time Radio. Only on Sirius XM 167. We get you closer. If you're looking for miles per gallon, you're definitely at the wrong place. Maybe a few channels up or a few channels down, you'll find it. But this is Race Time Radio. I think I like it too. 
And welcome back, everybody, to Race Time Radio tonight on Sirius XM Channel 167. Man, I wasn't watching the clock. And you know what we're going to have to do? Uh, we're going to have to throw it back to Toronto and get you up to date on some news and highlights. It only takes 90 seconds, and then hour number two begins tonight right here on Race Time Radio. So let's throw it back to you in Toronto, Scotty, and we will be back. I promise you, hour two, just right around the corner. You're listening to Canada Talks on Sirius XM, channel 167. Race Time Radio is brought to you by the Quality Inn, Halifax Airport, the official stay of the Race Time Radio broadcast crew. Also by APX Racewear, the motorsports leader in custom crew apparel and fire suits. Also by the Wooden Door Bistro. Broadcasting live from the track. We're here to get trophies. Never give up, baby. Sirius XM NASCAR Radio Channel 90 is your home for all things NASCAR. The yellow lights come on. Oh. Everything's happening so fast. Every race. Hard contact into the safer barrier. Exclusive interviews. This is more than just a job. We don't get caught up in being famous. The only broadcasting outlet in the world delivering NASCAR 24-7, 365. Thank you, you are the man. Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. Channel 90. With the two Joes here on Race Time Radio on Sirius XM 167, where Canada talks. And just like that, hour number two begins. See, I promised you, and here it is, live on Race Time Radio, Sirius XM Channel 167, Canada Talks. I'm Joe Chisholm. Along with Junior, right here in the RTR studio. And in just a few seconds, we're going to have Grant Enfinger on the hotline. We're going to talk to Grant about some NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. We haven't talked to Grant in a long time. And I also promised you before the break how you could check out a United 8 race online if you want. Uh, get to Pedal Power 51. Uh, get to Pedal Power 51 on YouTube. Uh, just just Google that in on uh, on YouTube. Just go to their search and go Pedal Power 51. Or you can get to SobelSpeedway.ca, our website. I know we shared the video. Uh, you can catch the combined four race. And I might add, four wide in that race a number of times. You want to talk about a competitive four-cylinder race, it'll blow your socks off. Uh, one guy did break out, Gary Jones, 71 from Burlington, leading the race, and he broke the time just three. by three, what, three, three hundredths of a second? Yeah. Oh, like very, very slim, but when you break the time, the starter shows you the black flag with the meatball on it. you got to go off the track. So Jonesy, it blew his feature a tough, tough way. He did win a uh, a combined four race just a couple of weeks ago. Well, come home, 500 bucks for the win. Uh, come back out for the dash, looking real good in it, and uh, then he breaks the time ever so slightly, but he did break the time. Uh, have a look at that race. You'll be able to watch that one. The United 8 race, the, you see here, Parker won. Um, there was two other guys as well that broke the time. Sure, sure. Um, there was in, other guys in, throughout in, the field. In in the mini stocks, yeah. Right. There was, uh, or in the combined, combined fours. Four. Um, there was uh, Jeff Laflamme and, and as well John Van Dyke. Those guys right. uh, broke the time, and they were all 
you know, very close to being right there on now, top of the Jeff team. has not won a race yet. He has broke time just, I, I believe, in all the each, features. Each so race that, that he's been in. But I'm telling you, when he breaks the time, he's breaking it by such a thin amount. We're talking hundreds of a thousandth of a second yeah. that he breaks it in one lap. Yeah. And then, you know, you got to go off. So it ends your race. Uh, John Van Dyke, he has won a couple of races. He's won himself a couple of grand already, or up to $1,000 anyway, uh, just with his uh, four-cylinder car. Didn't break the time until uh, Wednesday night. Sure enough, Wednesday night. Didn't break the time in a feature until then. That's yeah. true. Yeah, First yep. time in a feature that he broke the time. Uh, he was pretty disheartened. It, it has but. taken off. The car count started out with like six, seven cars, and then it grew to 10, then it grew to 12. And now it's well on its way to a full field is coming. I wouldn't doubt we're going to see that within the next few weeks because the word is traveling. The United Eight, same thing. We started out with like six or seven, I want to say, night eight, one. Yeah, eight, nine, eight on night number one, nine on night number two, 14 on night number three, and, and then 20, night. 21 on, on Wednesday night. Yeah, so, night so it is taking off, and there is a number of videos that you can watch. You'll see the, the variety of cars that we've got in the class amazing and to watch them be competitive on that racetrack and have the clock be the governor is just simply amazing to watch but uh check it out pedal power 51 you'll be able to see it yeah and the title of it is dash for cash sobble speedway so that's what you want to check out and Keep an eye on our Facebook page whenever we've got stuff. Uh, we try and load it on there as well for Sobble Speedway. I say all of this, and you're used to Joe Chosen Race Time Radio, and that is, of course, us. This is what we do. But I also, my Monday to Friday job is the general manager of Sobble Speedway this year. So uh, helping the guys out at the beach, getting on track, and uh, that's that's what I was up to this year. So um, I, I, you need to check it out because I'll tell you what, some exciting stuff is uh, not only happening, but also coming down the line. We're going to see more cars. Uh, excited to see the legend cars this weekend. And, uh, you know, the k Midgets back in at the beach. So uh, great stuff. We always love all the different tours that come through the beach. But uh, those United Aids, I'll tell you some exciting stuff. We got Grand and Finger. On his way, should be up on the hotline here within moments, and we will check out, uh, uh, see how the NASCAR Cameron World Truck Series is going. Grant's been a busy guy. I want to say he was down getting some qualifying done for the Snowball Derby, but we will check in and ask Grant what is, uh, I, I want to say a couple weeks ago he was up doing that. Yeah, it's in the Blizzard Series, um, I, it, I believe at the beginning of the year, um, is when he was he was at the the blizzard race um you have to um win the championship in order to qualify or get a provisional into the derby oh dude um but that being said it's um you know it's right there you you can get it yeah 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 uh and grant of course in and out of the nascar camping world truck series uh bummer right off the beginning of the year uh, he was, we're used to see him in the, in the Thor Sport number 98 truck. And, uh, we were hoping to see a full-time season of the grant in that number 98, but, uh, it wasn't in the cards this year. Uh, it, he had to share the ride and he got some races. Then he drove for another team too. I can't remember the name of that other team, Junior. You probably would. It was Corey Robaugh's, uh, 
Cody Robaz car or truck, the number nine. Mm. Uh, I don't know the name of the team, but uh, sponsored by Camping World and, right. and those guys. Camping World on the side of it. And uh, Grant, always amazing in that truck. I think back, you know, uh, I don't know whether it was, uh, well, it had to be for like five, six years ago now. Um, uh, we were at Daytona uh, doing pre-race stuff, of course, Speed Weeks uh, that particular year. And uh, Grant Finger came along and uh, Grant was uh, co-host for a couple of broadcasts that we did from one of the hotels right at Daytona Beach. And Grant jumped in there for two hours and co-hosted the program. And I'll tell you what, Grant and Finger and I got along. We, we have for a lot of years. We got along great. And to have him on the air, what a, what a value guy to have as a co-host on the show when you're at Daytona. And that particular year, what's he do? He sets the microphone down. Goes out and qualifying in the truck series, puts it on the pole. And then, of course, I'm watching Daytona on the Friday night with the trucks on track. And Grant Enfigure poised to win that race. And he and his teammate, Johnny Sauter at that time, got together and uh, really cost Grant the race. It was I was pretty disheartened. But I'll tell you, uh, he's always awesome to watch in that NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. And he's always a great friend of Race Time Radio and on the hotline with us right now. Let's welcome him in. What's going on tonight there, Mr. Enfinger? Are you enjoying the holiday or what? I'm doing good. I'm actually doing a little babysitting, so we'll, uh, we'll see how good he is for you. <laughs> good deal. Grant, uh, it's been kind of... Uh, we haven't been together on air here for a long time, man. It's, it's been months. How are things going with you and the truck team? Uh, how are things going? I, I said to Junior, I'm pretty sure Grant was down doing some qualifying for the Snowball Derby uh, through the Blizzard Series. Was I correct in that, or what's the situation there for your short track program? Yeah, definitely, Joe. We, um, I, obviously, I, I love running the Snowball Derby every year. Um, Pensacola is, is pretty much home for me. I, I grew up 45 minutes west of there. Uh, so, yeah, any any opportunity I can to, to get back home and run a super late model, I do. So uh, Archie St. Hilaire and then uh, Michael Sheldon have uh, have, a, have a nice Fury car there. And uh, we, we've run it a few times now. Uh, we actually ran it uh, this past weekend and, and uh, made some improvements. Uh, finally, finally got some things kind of going in the right direction there and, and, and ended up uh, getting booted there uh, towards the end of the race and, and wiped her out pretty good. So... Hopefully we can get it back together and and, uh, and ready to go for the snowball. Well, and that's the thing, Grant. Uh, the snowball derby always the huge finale, if you will, for short track racing right across North America. The who's who show up to that race, either in the snowflake or in the snowball derby. And I know last year, I think back to last year's derby, you had a dynamite run. That was a top five, wasn't it? Top eight. Uh, I think we ended up seventh. So we we um. You know, that was our first outing with with Archie and, and Shelton and, and all the guys. So, um, you know, proud of proud of what we came came away with. But but we've kind of been on a mission since then to to, to get some speed and and uh, like I said, feel like we we made some gains on that this past weekend. So um, now now we got to put the car back together. But but I do feel like we we've learned some stuff to, to hopefully help our our effort back there again. Was it just a racing deal, Grant, that wanted the car up, or was it something that somebody uh, ran out of well, talent that he, you were running against? He said booted. He said booted. When <laughs> yeah, you say booted, I, I, I mean. Booted. It, it was just one of those, uh, you know, caution came out with about 30 laps to go, and then Not, everybody started being, being wild and crazy, and 
so we were having caution after caution and um you know the one one um cat that we were racing with he, he struggled on the restarts but he had a really fast car and and so i got around him on one of the restarts and and um you know i don't think he did it on purpose but but yeah just wiped us out pretty good so uh unfortunately we got, got a lot of work to do but but we got quite a quite a, a while to to do it um snowball derby will probably be our next outing with that so that, that's not until the first week of december so got a little bit of time to, to put the car back together but uh like i said disappointed for that but uh but, but grateful for the opportunity and grateful that that we uh we made some improvements on it a lot of time to think about it right a lot of time to think about it between now and uh and derby time i uh, guarantee there's... you he won't forget the guy's car number <laughs> <laughs> no they uh they've got a they've got a mind like an elephant um hey looking at uh looking at the truck series schedule of course the last time we were on you know we had you on the show uh we touched on it you know uh you know not a not a part time where it's a half time schedule but but there are a handful of races where uh, unfortunately grant you have to sit on the sidelines and and uh, twiddle your thumbs um but looking at the season thus far and 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 comparing it to uh you know seasons in the past and and you know where where you guys are sitting and and the caliber of equipment that you've had to be in a couple of times now uh, compared to the Thor Sport uh, program um your average finish right now you're sitting at a 9.8 last year uh your average finish was a 10.4 with four wins so that means that your performance as 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 a whole is is kind of stepping up um right now um where do you uh where do you foresee that victory coming <laughs> that's a good question um you know overall yeah like you mentioned it's been a little bit of a messy year as far as um, you know, it started off the year, I, I was running half the season and, and, um, you know, wasn't at the second race of the season, but, but, um, reached out to a friend of, friend of mine and, and Cody Rohrball and, and, uh, he was gracious enough to let me drive his truck at Vegas. And, and then, uh, since then I've been, been driving pretty much all, all the races that, that I wasn't driving for Thor Sports. So, um, he's got great equipment. It's, uh, it's more of a part-time operation. They, they run most of the races. Um, they, they normally don't run the full season, but they have some, some really good equipment. Um, we've, we've run strong with it. Um, I think the last time out at Pocono, we were, uh, we were on our way to, to, to a top five there and, and had a motor expire, but, but, uh, but overall it's been, been good stuff. It's, it's been enjoyable for, for me to, uh, kind of do something different and, and not really race for points. Uh, but at the same time, you, you know, you, you kind of want to be building with, with, uh, you know, one, one set of crew guys and, and kind of getting stuff figured out and, and racing for the championship, right? That, that's the ultimate goal. Um, unfortunately, we can't do that this year, but, but man, feel like we've, we've done the most with, with what we've had to work with and, and the situation we're, we're under. And, um, man, I, I, I truly feel like we can, we can go to Watkins Glen, we can go to Gateway the following week in this mine truck and, and battle for a victory. I, I truly believe that. So, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's not going to be easy, but, but, uh, you know, racing in general isn't easy. So, just, uh, just like I said, try, been trying to make the most of uh, of the situation this year. Yeah, absolutely. And and just to uh, to take a little bit of a deeper dive, you know, when you're when you're in the Thor Sports stuff, you know, last year you were in the Thor Sports stuff full time. Uh, you had eight top fives in the entire season, right? Twenty three events. Um, you had eight top fives. You had four wins. Uh, right now, you're sitting at five top fives. You sat out a race already. Um, at, you know, at the you mentioned it on the on the second on the second event, uh, but you're only three away from last year's amount of top fives. Uh, you're already at eight top tens uh, last year. The entire season, you had thirteen. 
Uh, so really, you can see the the aggression now because you're not racing for points. How much does that open you up to take a little bit of risk on the racetrack and and to really stretch your legs, um, you you know, and and take those risks and 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 put the truck where maybe it's not supposed to go and 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 you know get that uh, get that extra thousandths of a second when you need it. Um, it how, how how does it feel to do that? It's um. Honestly, for, from a race car driver's standpoint, it's it, honestly an advantage. It's a good thing, and and yeah, I have have been able to to do that this year. We, when uh, when we're not we're not so worried about points. Obviously, don't want to tear up any equipment. Um, you know, we we want to we want to bring home these uh, these trucks in one piece as best we can. But but yeah, we we don't have kind of that that points burden on us. Um, I'd say you know it's it's a little bit of a catch twenty two because I'm swapping back and forth the trucks. Um, a lot of times we have a have a poor starting position, so so a lot of times we're, we're restarting or we're starting the race in twentieth, thirtieth position, something yeah. like that, um, which is obviously a, a disadvantage. But but because we we aren't running for points, we can be more aggressive with, with our play calling, um, whether it's Doug George or, or on the nine truck or, or J Rod on the ninety eight. Feel like we've we've been able to uh, make the most of, of those situations and and uh, and really kind of. You know, throw caution to the wind a couple of times. I, I was really proud of, of Jay Rod, um, who's a longtime truck chief at, at Thor Sport, who uh, became my crew chief this year uh, with, with myself and, and Christian Eckes. And um, he made a really gutsy decision in, in Nashville to, to stay out and uh, put us in position to contend for the win. And unfortunately, we, we, we came home third, but uh, able to, to lead 40 or 50 laps there at the end and, and had a really uh, awesome battle there with, with Ryan Priest. But, um, you know, if we were running for points, he might not have been been able to make that call. So, so yeah, I definitely think there's uh, there's there's been some opportunities. Um, you know, and 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 I feel like overall we're we're approaching things the right way, and and uh, we're gonna keep after it. We get we got eight more to go. If you're just tuned into Race Time Radio, trust me, you have missed quite a bit, but welcome aboard. We are with Grant Enfinger, of course, the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. This guy is a dynamite winner, and he is a dynamite racer in that truck series. Grant, uh, you know what? The nine team has got to be pretty thankful that you're not full-time in that number 98, because I'll bet you the dollars to donuts uh, you're making that program better, and I bet I'm not the only guy to say that. The team would probably echo that. When you look at the results the nine team was having before, and then with you in the truck, you're getting more out of it than they've ever got out of it. It's probably strengthening their program. Do you think maybe, just maybe, you're going to see them on a full-time basis, maybe come 2022? I think it's definitely possible. Um, you know, and, and I've been Cody been friends with Cody for, for a while and, and have known Doug over there for a while and, and uh Cody's uh granddad Pat's is, is a big part of that team and um you know it, it's just a, a a group of racers, you know, and, and they're doing it for fun and, and uh you know if they can run full time and have fun and, and go out there and, and compete and, and win races and, and I wouldn't be surprised to to, to see those guys full time next year. And um yeah, it's definitely uh, been a relationship that I, I hope is has helped help both of us you know it's definitely something i've enjoyed it it's uh it's, it's definitely been a little different something I, i'm not used to but it, it's it's been a lot of fun um we we've we've had we've, we've had some good runs and like i said we we got we got four more and four more so we we got got equal opportunities in, in both trucks and 
and uh, hopefully we can get a, a win or two before the end of the year. Can you imagine what Cody would do if you yanked that thing into victory lane in one of those eight races that are left? Can you imagine? Those guys will go just ballistic. It'll take you back to that first big win at Daytona, bud. Definitely. You know, that, that'd be huge for, for all of us. And, um, you know, there, there was a mutual friend, uh, Mark Huff, that kind of put us all together. And uh, that, that would definitely be a, uh, a huge, huge milestone. So it, it's definitely, uh, you know, in, in the possibility. We just got to go out there and, and make the most of these opportunities that we have. We got to talk a little bit about Knoxville because obviously it was a it was an exciting race all around. Um, you know we we've seen the Truck Series now a handful of times at uh, at Eldora, a completely different animal when you roll into Knoxville. What was that like? You know, I, honestly, Knoxville was uh, was a lot of fun. You know, I know uh, people people were harping on it, saying we don't need to go back to dirt races and we don't need to go back to Knoxville and all. Which uh, you know, it was honestly a, a decent race until we all went stupid with about thirty or forty laps exactly. to go. Uh, caution came out, and you know everybody's trying to win the race, whether they're running third or thirtieth. So uh, everybody just started running over each other, and it was it, it was a hundred percent a single group track. But uh, you know, Eldora has been a single group track at times. Um, you know, I think the last time we were there, it was single group at the top. Um, this time in it, Knoxville, it's single groove at the bottom. Um, you know, obviously, as racers, we want multiple grooves and want, want to be able to move around and, and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, but yeah, it, it was uh, it was definitely a, a bad look for, for us in the truck series just because there was so much carnage. Um, but uh, but I honestly had a lot of fun. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't want to have to, to get used up as much as I got used up and didn't want to have to lean on guys as much as I leaned on them. But as far as just, just making a lap and, and, and being one of the few places where we, we actually have throttle control, you know, and, and your, your part of throttle in it around there is, uh, is a lot of fun, I think. There's a lot to be said. The racetrack has never driven a vehicle, and neither has the officials, right? <laughs> the, it's, there's, it, it's been a million times. It, it all comes down to the drivers, and, and when guys are using each other up, it's not the racetrack's fault. You guys could be in a fishbowl, or you guys could be on Daytona. And, and I mean, at the end of the day, it, uh, it, I, you know, as a fan... Obviously, you know, you don't want to see all that, that torn up equipment. You don't want to see all the yellow flags. Fans do. That's some what they're fans, paying for. Some That's fans what fans do. love. And some fans love the carnage. But, you know, as a race fan, a lot of race fans, I would say, that don't like it on a consistent level. Junior, what if you watch any NASCAR promotion that's on Fox, on NBC, on any television channel, Absolutely. wherever you see, what do they show? There's they don't be a highlight show. Reel. They don't show two guys going across the line and shaking hands. What do they show? The they fights. show the the wrecks, the car on fire, flipping upside down. And whenever we talk camping world trucks, I can't tell you how many times I've watched the end of CTMP for five years in a row and watching the debris and the stuff that took that takes place after that. That's what the, that's what sells. That's what the Absolutely. majority of race fans want to see. What racers want to see and what we want to see is that side-by-side and heavy-duty competition. But I believe we're in the minority, not the majority, when it comes time for that. What would you think, Grant? I'm with you on this one. You know, I definitely, as racers, don't like seeing it, you know. And, and I don't see, like seeing somebody take a cheap shot into, into turn five at Canada, somebody that's five car lengths back just, wipe somebody out and, and win the race and um 
you know, but but yeah, they they, they definitely <laughs> use it a, little, a lot for promotion. So so if somebody's enjoying it, they, they definitely enjoy the drama part of that. Um, but yeah, as far as racers, we we want to you know be able to be able to race side by side with somebody with, without having to worry about it. Um, you know, unfortunately, the 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 era that we're in, there's just not a lot of repercussions for for when you do wreck vehicles. It, it's uh you know it's hard on teams, it's hard on team owners, but um but really you know the the way the point system is structured, you know when and you're in, um you know there there NASCAR is not going to black flag you for for wiping somebody out on the green, they they've gotten to proven that and. Um, you know, it's just kind of the, the, the world we're living in now, I think, Joe. Yeah, and who's got the bigger uh, the, the bigger crew, I guess, uh, to sort of support that driver when he pulls back into the pits? Uh, it's got to definitely play into it. Uh, like you say, uh, yeah, it, it's not, it's not uh, condoned. Um, you may get a talking to, but it's not really penalized. If you happen to take the guy out on most, and I say the word most, short tracks across North America, if you try and do that same thing on a short track at most tracks, man, you get uh, either penalized, and maybe even if just put to the back for wiping a guy out. But in some cases, and in most cases, you get taken right off the track and you get parked if you destroy somebody like that, right? Well, I think they must be doing stuff different in Canada because I haven't seen that happen much, much here in the states. You know, um, you know, and, and like I said, I, I think that's just kind of the the world we're living in. People, people are a little bit rough, and um, you know, you, unfortunately, I I feel like um, you know in the truck series we're, we're kind of kind of part of that. You know, um, I don't I don't necessarily think we're leading the charge, but but we're we're definitely not the ones out there running with respect. Um, you know, and I, I think I think a lot of it has to do with the package as well. Um, you know, we we obviously get big drafts on each other. We have to go crazy on restarts. And I think, you know, in, in my opinion, over the last couple of years since the Cup cars has gone to more of the truck package, you see a lot more uh, drama on Sundays as well with with guys blocking runs mm. and 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 really making wild moves on on restarts and and uh, kind of getting under people's skin. Yeah, half half. I believe half the wrecks would go away all on their own if they would stop the blocking. But you know what? It's never going to change uh, things. Uh, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it down south. And I'll tell you what, it makes it entertaining. Uh, definitely, when you turn on an NASCAR Camping World Truck Series race, you will be entertained. It's more of a sprint race compared to a cup race. Love watching you guys in the trucks and uh, really enjoy watching you behind the wheel out there with all the other guys. Uh, it's going to be dandy. Your next race is coming up. Where did you say Watkins Glen? You're going to go on the road course. What's the thoughts heading into that one, Grant? Yeah, Watkins Glen on, on Saturday. Um, you know, uh, I've never even seen the place. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, you know, I'm not really a road course guy, but, but I really appreciate the challenge. of uh, I've really taken a, a, upon myself the, the last couple of years to, to kind of hone my craft there and, and, uh, and try, to, try to get better. And uh, I, I'm looking forward to Watkins Glen. It should be a really high-speed place. Um, the, the last road course we were at was Coda. Uh, which we ended up doing a lot of that in the rain, and, and there was a little bit of everything there. Uh, Watkins Glen, I, I think it's going to be a much different animal. Um, don't don't want to, um, you know, speaking of, of all that we've been talking about, don't want to use up the fenders and the sides too early at Watkins Glen because aero does does play an effect there um, because because that place is so fast. So um, 
you know, we we don't get any practice. We uh, we just line them up and go. So so my first lap there will will be when we get the green flag. But like I said, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Well, tell you what, brother, we are gonna save you a spot on this show. You got eight races to make it back to Victor Lane and winning it in and all of that stuff. But I'll tell you what, it isn't going to take that to get back on Race Time Radio for another Grand End Finger update. I know we're going to be haunting you again here in uh, no time to get you back on here and get us up to date. Good luck on the road course. Sure wish it was in Canada this year because I've been missing you. Uh, but good thing is this COVID thing is starting to disappear on both sides of the border and uh, all I can do is wish for 2022 and uh, the kickoff to the season at Daytona and definitely hoping to get you guys back here uh, up here into Canada and watch those uh, those NASCAR camping road trucks fly around this track up here. And uh, it, it's just super, Grant. You're a dynamite driver and a good friend. Well, yeah, I appreciate that, um, Joe. And, and, yeah, I appreciate you having me on. And, and yeah, I definitely miss being in Canada this year, but... Uh, but I got to thank all, all our supporters behind this that, that allow this to happen, um, especially the guys at Champion Power Equipment that uh, that keep supporting me year after year. But but also Mike Curb and, and the guys at Curb Records, um, AC Avalanche. There's a host of guys that, that allow us to go racing, and just want to say thank you to all those guys. Absolutely, I know you got a pet pig, Grant. I know you, you know you, you, we always Wilbur. we always talk about them, but uh, uh, when you're in Watkins Glen, you gotta you gotta make the trip over to Nichols Pit Barbecue. You gotta <laughs> you gotta I, their sign has got a pig on it, and you know it is what it is. And I know you got a pet, and there's conflictions there, but I'm telling you right now, great food over there. And take it from a fat oh. guy, I I know I know what I'm talking about when it comes time for good barbecue. All right, I will definitely look it up and. Uh... And yeah, we we eat a lot of pig. Yeah, yeah, we have a have a friendly pig over here, but but we still eat a lot of pig. That, <laughs> that has not slowed us down at all. Well, <laughs> you keep that champion equipment forward flying there, brother, and uh, we will be in touch again real soon, Grand Enfinger. Thanks so much for the time tonight on Race Time. All right, guys. Thank y'all. You bet your Grand Enfinger. Always a dynamite guest. Love his uh, interpretation and. You know, his view into everything that is uh, the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. Lots to look forward to, everybody. We're going to hit this break when we come back off to Newfoundland. And Mike James from Eastbound International Speedway will get us up to date on the rock. Do I make you honey, baby? (laughs) Hello, race fans. This is Adam Andretti. And you're listening to the best of Race Time Radio. Tonight's Race Time Radio is brought to you by Rev TV Canada, Canadian Tire Motorsport Park, and by GetRackHunter.com. Mad Dog Sports Radio is opinionated, passionate sports talk with a bite from the hijinks of the morning man. I bet your parents do too. They go big bulk shopping. Hey, so I got 50 jars of dump sauce. I to eat that sauce, but I got a good day. To the insight of Adam Shine. Bill Belichick is the best coach in the history of sports. Not NFL. Sports. And the animated energy <laughs> of the Mad Dog himself, Mad Dog. Christopher Russo. It's the channel to talk about your favorite sports team. Mad Dog Sports Radio, channel 82, or anytime on the Sirius XM all North Racing, only on Rev TV. Contact your TV provider now on free preview. Even though Napa is a nationally known name, 
Nearly all of our stores are built from the ground up by local owners and families. People you might call neighbors will be here, there, and everywhere. Doing what neighbors do to keep their communities moving forward. You stop by a Napa Auto Parts store, you can count on Napa know-how. Tonight's Race Time Radio is brought to you by Napa Auto Parts stores, Fort Hawkesbury, New Glasgow, and Endicottish, Nova Scotia. Also by APX Racewear and Quickwick Fire Starters, the world's best fire starter. Fox News Headlines 24-7 is on Sirius XM with headlines every 15 minutes. I'm Kevin Brinkholm. I'm Therese Crowley. I'm Jim McKay. A channel that delivers your world news, business, what's trending in digital, entertainment, and sports. Your news in a way you've never heard before with headlines every 15 minutes. Fox News Headlines 24-7. All the information you need. Ready with you all. From America's News Headquarters. Sirius XM Channel 115 or listen on the Sirius XM app. Taking you all the way to the track and back. Yeah, I guess. And welcome back, everybody, to Race Time Radio tonight on Sirius XM Channel 167. Man, I'll tell you what, I always look forward uh, to catching up with any of my friends out there in Newfoundland at Eastbound International Speedway. But most, most I look forward to is catching up with our next guest. Uh, he's a good friend of mine, has been for a number of years. Let's welcome in Mike James, promotional director and announcer extraordinaire at Eastbound International Speedway. And we got him on the hotline. What's going on tonight there, Mikey Magoo? How are you? Oh, man, it's awesome, man. We finally got the race in tonight or this afternoon, you know, after a bummer or yesterday on Saturday with the rain. But uh, it's great. You know what? We've been uh, hit and miss with the rain this season, but uh, it's always great to get some racing in over here on the Rock. You want to believe it. Well said, Mike. It's been a goofy year, right? Even though the pandemic was supposed to be gone for the beginning of the 2021 season, we all didn't get that lucky here in Canada. And it hung around and... Uh, you know, we, you guys finally got out of the box, as did most tracks, and all of them should be up and running now here in Ontario. But how's it been out there, out at Eastbound International Speedway? Uh, give us a little scorecard or a report card on the first part of 2021 at Eastbound. How's it been? Well, it's been great. You know, we got things kicked off on Victoria Day weekend. And, you know, it's, uh, it was this pandemic has been a bummer on a lot of folks. And uh, it's always great to welcome fans as we go through the steps of reopening here in Canada. Uh, this, uh, this weekend, uh, we're going to level two here in Newfoundland, Labrador. So our capacities are starting to come up. Fans are now coming out in droves. So, it's, uh, you know, it's been a wild season. Uh, and it's been very competitive right through all four of our classes, including the Advanced Auto Parts NASCAR Series, which is turning up the width here at the halfway point. And uh, the 74, Jason Groves, who's our 2016 first NASCAR champion in Newfoundland and Labrador uh, back in the day, he is actually leading the way throughout the season with four wins so far. Uh, unbelievable to see the 74 come back after that uh, the victorious year in 2016. But he's, he's being haunted right now by the 99 of Wayne Walsh, uh, who's a three-time NASCAR champion, trying to make it four in a row. Uh, but it's, uh, it's really cranking it up. And, and, Joe, 
you've been back and forth with some of our guys here, and, and one of the big changes for 2021 was this new MSD box uh, mandatory 5,800 chips, and it's really made the races uh, quite nice. Uh, you know, throughout that field, we're seeing a lot more tighter races. Oh, yeah, and it would, Mike. You know, the, these guys always have a way of trying to turn the wick up on these cars. And Junior and I were talking about this early in the show. When you talk about rule books and competitive racing, uh, the teams all do the same thing in the shop. They're all trying to read between the lines and maybe go into the gray part of the rules, hoping they don't get caught with this or that or some inventive way. Uh, but you know what? If you put a chip in these things, I, I'm a firm believer in if you put a gear rule in and you, uh, you know, cap them at this uh, rear final gear rule, uh, th- that would end it. Because if you do anything to modify it to speed the car up, the gear is going to be your limiting chip. Or in this case here, you got a chip in the car. Uh, they're all g- different good ways and good measures of trying to keep the competition square and trying to keep the expense out of it. And you guys are going a long way to doing that out there, Mike. Yeah, you know, a lot of teams with the Bill Motors were fighting on it. But uh, I think everybody now in the field is uh, now they got the boxes and they're really enjoying the competition out there. We're seeing a lot of leader changes. And, uh, you know, it's just great for the fans, you know, when you can see someone, uh, when you see a different leader uh, throughout the race. Uh, we've seen a lot of green flag runs, a lot of long green flag runs. I think the magic number that Tony Stewart came up with the SRX series was 12. Our car count is down just a little bit, but we've been averaging about 12 late models for our our top tier uh, division. And and you know what? With that 12 cars, you don't see a lot of trouble, and we're seeing a lot more racy cars. And it's exciting even as an announcer and also for the fans uh, because there's a lot of clean runs. Now, we're getting a couple of cautions, but – I mean, some of those, we went 100 laps, green green flag, green uh, flag to flag, 100 laps, which is, you know, going back to 2014 when Eastbound International first came on board, a lot of these guys were not used to the big 3.8 high bank, and, you know, it took a couple of years for these guys to dial it in. And, you know, uh, thanks to people like DJ Kennington, uh, J.R. Fitzpatrick, who's come down here and raced with us, uh, those guys took notes. And uh, we're seeing it here in 2021, and I can tell you, props to the teams here on the Rock because they're really cranking it up. Uh, I'm really excited. Hopefully one day we'll be back to the Pinty Series. I know they kicked off this weekend at sunset, but uh, it's been a couple of years since we had Collins in, out there uh, in running in the Pinty Series. It'd be great to see one of these young guns like Owen Groves or Sarah Thorne or some of these graduates from our bandoleros move up and maybe do some national touring oh you can see that one did i know the owner of eastbound international speedway patty squires you know when i first met pat we had him on the air here on sirius xm and i I said pat whatever made you build this big beautiful track out here in newfoundland and he said joe uh we gotta we have a common goal one day just one day we want to grow a star that participates in NASCAR's upper ranks down south, and we want them to come from Newfoundland. And the only way we're ever going to see that goal come true is if we build a track. So, indeed, he built a track, and you guys are well on your way to having success out there. And one day, Mike James, we're going to be talking about a Newfoundlander 
in NASCAR in the upper ranks, whether it be, you know, nationwide racing or whether it's going to, pardon me, Xfinity, old guy, uh, or the Cup Series, <laughs> one day it's going to take place. The uh, Track Series, it's going to happen one day. You can see it coming. Well, you know, we, we've watched so many of these young kids over the last seven years come up through the Bandolero ranks, like Michael Neary in the 23 machine and, and our Hanlon Realty U.S. legend. You know, he's dominated that division. Uh, at some point, I can only imagine that he's going to possibly come up to the pro late or late model racing. Uh, but then you got people like Owen Grove, Sarah Thorne, the 06 car, you know, representing the girls. Uh, there's some talks about her. She just graduated in high school this year. Uh, there's some talks that she's going to apply for the NASCAR diversity, uh, NASCAR eastbound being a NASCAR home track. Uh, those opportunities are, are there for the track. And uh, Sarah's been back and forth with us, and she's quite intrigued on this diversity program that uh, that Toyota and, and the guys down in uh, Rev Racing have on the go. Uh, but I think she's going to apply this year, and who knows? I mean, we may have Sarah Thorne, who's also indigenous, maybe the first female indigenous to, to head south. How cool would that be? And I, you got to do me a favor, Mike. Please do this next race out. Uh, can you go over and uh, apologize to Sarah for us? We have not got her on the air. Please tell her I guarantee we're going to get her on the air. Uh, she is a winner now. Uh, she won uh, a late model race there just a couple of weeks ago. We've been jam-packed, and we just haven't been able to fit her in, but we are going to. No disrespect to her at all. Uh, I can't wait to get her on the air because she is an amazing young driver. Uh, watching her in those bandoleros, I watched her go from a bandolero into a legend car, and then, bang, uh, you know, like she was just getting into the late model stuff when I left out there. And uh, to see her win, uh, going up against guys like Walsh and uh, Jason Groves and even Owen, like, look at the start he had when he came in. Uh, that Groves family, they got a lot to be proud of out there. 100%. It's always great. And, and that's one of the things that's growing again this year. We had a lot of graduates. Austin Hiscock, just 13 years old, jumped up to the Hamlin Realty U.S. Legends. And, you know, he's our youngest U.S. legend competitor in the history of eastbound and he's he's already on the podium he's, he's taken p2 right behind michael neary um so it, you know we had a bit of a uh a funk going on with the bandoleros because all these kids were graduating and then all of a sudden out of nowhere these cars started getting picked up and you know now we have amber east and we have jacob o'leary and uh, we have all these kids uh, colin o'connor made his debut last week so We've got nine to ten uh, bandoleros back in that field, which is a strong field for that class. And uh, we're seeing the girls' representation there. Uh, you know, Julia Melindy, uh, Brad Melindy, who's been in part of stock car racing in, in Atlanta, Canada, for many decades. Uh, his second daughter now, he has two daughters racing uh, U.S. Legends as well as bandos. And, you know, they're starting at such a young age now. Um, some of our kids, Jacob Valeri is just eight years old. So I can only imagine in eight years from now what we will see as, as it goes through the process. I mean, we've seen it up on the mainland with the Pro Stock Tour. You know, you've got Cole Butcher out there, Dylan Blankhorn. They all come out of that Bandoleros. You look at NASCAR, Joey, uh, Joey Logano, the Bush brothers, and all that coming out of that NX program. At some point, uh, I believe Patty's dream will come true. Uh, because there's a lot of aggressive drivers that uh, really have sights set on 
getting off the rock and doing something else as well. Now, I want to switch gears here just for a second. Of course, all the conversation has been swung over to Oval Track as Junior and I always seem to do. But at Eastbound <laughs> International Speedway, you guys are a premier drag facility as well. How's the drag racing going this year for those straight line guys? You know, it's always great to be a part of IHRA. They're celebrating their big anniversary this season, so our flag. Uh, running the IHRA program is just an incredible um, uh, uh, division that we have built up over here. And this is probably the most exciting season. You know, I, I do the announcing on the Oval, but I, I, I kind of tend to like announcing the drag strip because the competition is so tight there. And uh, these guys have been racing since the 1970s and uh, some of the older guys. Uh, going back to the old Argentia U.S. Air Force Base. Um, and, and we see races won by the thousands of a second in the bracket racing. Uh, these guys are tight. They're on their dials. Um, they're, you know, the reaction times are, you know, second to none. And back in 2015, we went to the IHRA World Finals, and Eastbound placed second in the world with young Darian Legg in the junior division. And, you know, that really opened my eye on uh, what world-class drag racing competition is like. And when you go home after being at the World Finals, you're starting to look at the times that these guys are laying down. And I'm telling you, they're not slouches. One of our drivers, Dave Anthony, just went up to uh, Miramichi to the NHRA big meet there a couple weeks ago and took home a couple of Wallies uh, representing Newfoundland and and really knocked it out of the park up there with his Dan Page top dragster. That's awesome. How many cars do you typically get out to a drag race event? Not like per division, but like total. Uh, some, a lot of our full-time guys, we got about 45 full-time. Wow. Uh, but when you mix in the streets, sometimes it's between 40 and 70. It all depends on what time of the year it is. Yeah. We have our annual street streetcar shootout coming up, which will have a dominant uh, day of streetcar racing. Next weekend, we'll have our first Sunday Quick 16, which will be heads-up action. And, and generally, the heads-up stuff kind of brings out the street guys. Uh, they don't really tend to get into the bracket racing right away because they're just they just don't understand bracket racing but bracket racing is, is so cool you, you just got to understand it you got to understand the package you know it comes down to your dial-in time to uh to your reaction time you add them together it's n- it's not just the finish line it's just two elements that are added together and when you start looking at how tight these races by the thousands or hundreds of a second it's actually pretty incredible, and uh, I just try to do my best as an announcer to get the level of excitement for the fans that are coming out. Because this year has been a banner year for our fans. we got a brand-new grandstand at the starting line for the drag strip, and we're seeing a lot more activity down there. And, and more and more young fellas are starting to buy old Camaros. Uh, we're seeing a wave of, of young I, I, I don't know what they call them these days, millennials, or what, what is the new term of a 20-year-old? I don't know. I got a 35-year-old now. <laughs> <laughs> well, this new generation coming up, you know, the, the, they're no slouches. They, they want to be in the garage. They're working on the cars. There's a huge wave of tuners and, and old-school stuff going on here in Newfoundland, Labrador, which, you know, a lot of people thought it was going to die like a dinosaur. Uh, but we're seeing this massive wave of young guys going out and buying Fox Body Mustangs, you know, re, redoing these uh, Mustangs. I got one guy. It's called the Disgustang. He don't care what it looks like. It's rusty looking from the outside, but man, does that ever lay down some power. It's a turbocharged Mustang. Big shout out to the boys in the disgusting team. They even came up with their own name. So 
but it's great to see uh, the the younger generations coming up. Same as the oval. I mean, we're seeing this big wave from the youth coming in involved in the sport. You know, they're seeing it out there. And, and bandolero racing is not that expensive to get involved. Either is drag racing. I mean, you can go pick up an old box body Mustang for five grand. Sure, sure, sure. And, and that's the cool part, Mike. There is no excuse for anybody to be speeding on that Trans-Canada Highway or any of the roads out there in Newfoundland, not when Eastbound International Speedway offers drag racing that you can come out and be part of and go as fast as you possibly can. And a matter of fact, if you win, you're going to get rewarded for it. Or how about build yourself an oval track car and go out there and see what you got as opposed to trying to uh, speed down the highways and either hurt yourself or kill somebody else. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. That's why there's tracks involved, and uh, everybody needs to get out and support their local track, be it in Newfoundland or wherever you're listening in from. And uh, that that's the cool part, especially when you got programs like you guys got out there, Mike. It's awesome stuff. It's, uh, you know, take it to the track is a big deal. You know, cops are starting to to really dial in on uh, on these uh, these cars, and, and it's unfortunate that a lot of these guys uh, take pride, and, and they're you know it's the one percent that makes it bad for everybody else. Uh, but you know there's a there's a strong community here in the Rock, and uh, we're we're looking forward to week out, week at week in. You know we run from May right up to October every week. We get a break now and then, uh, but uh, I think we only get two weekends for the whole year. So. Uh, you know, it's a long winter sleep, so we go pretty hardcore. A uh, big shout out to Bob Smith. You know, uh, Bobby does a great job. You know, he works uh, day and night uh, and puts so much heart and effort into it. You know, Patty and the family and everything else. I mean, uh, I've been involved with Eastbound since the beginning, and uh, I can tell you it's just a pleasure to be a part of this project. I've been in motorsports for 21 years, going all the way back to Detroit racing Formula race cars with the FSAE to monster trucks and traveling all over the world with motocross. And I got to say what Pat has built here, it truly is a dream to be a part of. And, uh, these guys, uh, you know, I've been Joe, myself, you and, and, and junior, we've been all over the place. I mean, Eastbound is something special. And, uh, these guys, uh, a lot of, a lot of guys haven't been out there and seen what's out there, but, uh, what Pat has built is pretty incredible over here. Hey, man, it's not just pavement in a circle. It's also the people, right? That's it's, it's, what pavement, it is. pavement in a circle is one thing. Pavement in a straight line is, is one thing. And and you guys have a great facility there. But the, the number one thing is is that the people, the fans are energetic. The drivers are energetic. The crew members are energetic. There's a positive vibe. As you know, guys are going to get pissed off that they bump into each other, and <laughs> and there's there's going to be tech outs, and there's going to be you know things that happen, right? And and but but the grand scheme of things, when you measure it out, if you could pour the you know if you could pour all the emotion into a measuring cup. Uh, and all the negative emotion into another measuring cup, there'd only be a quarter cup on the negative side, and there'd be four cups on the other side of the positive That's side. That's right. And, and that is, is honestly what makes the, the secret sauce that you have uh, in Eastbound. Um, I honestly truly believe that. I've seen you know a lot of racetracks out there that look pretty, and they're, they're shining like a diamond, but, but you know 50% of the people are pissed off when they leave. And 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 you know those same fifty percent were pissed off when they got there. So um, I mean, at, at the end of the day, you know, you guys, you guys definitely need to be thankful for the the people that you have, but it's also the culture that is created by Eastbound. And and a lot of racetracks can take a lot of notes on how to treat their people 
and and how to uh, how to do the things that they do because it's uh, you know there there's not a whole lot of racetracks out there on that rock and uh, uh, you know you guys you guys are definitely doing it right. Well, it's funny you say that about the fans because uh, Joe Joe and Joe both you guys have been down here. Uh, we tend to always hang out in the castle, calling the show, and when we did the race time radio live broadcast there. Uh, due to renovations on the castle, our, our, our main uh, our main headquarters there behind the grandstands, I have now relocated and I actually call the races from the grandstand. Wow! Uh, so we set up the table out in front of the glass of the castle and, and put a tent up, and I can tell you, yeah. man, oh man, this is this is words of wisdom to every announcer in Canada. As an announcer to all you announcers, you need to get out of the box and you need to call the races with the fans because this season was the first of it. And, uh, man, oh, man, I got my own groupies in front of me. Uh, it's just absolutely incredible. Uh, the only downfall is sometimes they're yelling at you. And, you know, I have to remind them that I'm not an official. Don't get mad at me. So. <laughs> right, but right. It, You're it, only the it, messenger. Yeah, I, I, I just, you know. And, uh, you know, you get a lot of questions, but it actually needs to make me a little bit sharper on some of these rules. You know, uh, we had incidents with lap traffic, and a lot of people were disgruntled. Why was there lap traffic? Well, the rule is we don't pull lap cars until the final 10 laps. And, uh, you know, so there was a few disgruntled yelling at me, and, but it it's, it's kind of adds this energy as an announcer calling a race, and you can feel the energy of the fans around you. But when you're in that box... Uh, and you're, you know, you, you just—it's not the same. Uh, I don't know, Joe, if you've you've done a, quite a few shows in your lifetime. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, have you been out in the fans and actually called the race? Actually, the inside the grandstand. Actually, I have. I've done it a number of times at uh, Scotia Speed World for some of the Pro Stock Tour stuff outside at the IWK 250. I can remember getting Riverside International Speedway to do the wave. Uh, I believe it was the first or second year we did that live broadcast from out there. And uh, there's no feeling like it. Good luck, Mike, uh, going back into the booth. I bet you those guys won't be able to drag you back up there now that you've been set up with the race fans and embedded. I bet you you're having a blast. And I can guarantee the fans will be love, uh, would love looking over their shoulder and knowing that's the guy who's telling us everything here tonight. That's cool. You get you get a uh, a, a, a casual uh, fan that will yell out and say, "Play this song," and I, I have to remind them that I'm not the wedding DJ. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no request here. Uh, but one thing I also discovered, and this is uh, this is to all the race drivers that are out there across Canada, and I've just relayed the message to our fans. One of the things being out with the fans and announcing. I notice a lot of our drivers rev their engines when we're doing the announcing in the lineup. And, you know, you hear, you know, started on the pole, car number 66, Johnny Wingding, brah, you know what I mean? Like they're just <laughs> yeah. revving their, they're cleaning the pipes out. And, uh, you know, it's, I didn't really notice it until I was actually outside in the fan. So I, I reminded all of our drivers this week, you know, you know, when you guys come out, give a couple of laps to allow your announcer to, you know, broadcast your sponsors that support you guys. And don't go out there and make a lot of racket on the front stretch. I'm but, sorry, uh, I don't but know that... if it happens up away, but <laughs> it, uh, I noticed it this season for the first time being out in the grandstand. Newfoundlanders, is that is that okay to say? Like I know sure, it's you're, no, you're yeah, not I'm allowed fine. to say you're not allowed to say Newfie, right? Well, you yeah, are, but... what context? Yeah, exactly. You're not allowed to say you you, you, can't, you can't be like Newfies do this or or uh, Newfoundlanders though. 
I'm referring to all of them. Yes. They they the rev the, they rev their engines. That's what they do out there. Yeah, oh, they, they get so excited. They you do, know, 100%. I, 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 under, I get it. Uh, but, you know, when you got your local track announcer and they're trying you. to do, you know, the big spiel, like Michael Jordan's coming out, you know, and, and all you hear is just that rap, 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 rap. <laughs> uh, but anyways, I said my spiel to the drivers. I just want to relay it to the rest of Canada if it happens out there. You know, allow your announcer to really uh, really do a good job and, and promote you. You mm-hmm. are the racer, you know, and your sponsors that support you. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how it all unfolds in the future uh, over here. Mikey, we're just about at the top of the hour. We're going to have to hand the keys back to Sirius XM for their channel, and we won't get them back until next <laughs> Sunday night at 7. When is your next race on Oval? When's the next one on uh uh, on the straight line stuff and how do fans, uh, this is holiday time. A lot of people be flying out to Newfoundland, landing in either Gander or maybe St. John's, and they're going to be in the area. They got to check out Eastbound. How do they do it, buddy, so they can get set when they're out there on their holiday? It's going to be a busy week here. We got the Royal Newfoundland, or Royal Regatta coming up, the oldest, longest sporting event in North America. The, the, the boat race is down on Kitty Vidius Wednesday. Uh, we're back on trackside next Saturday and Sunday for the drag strip for IHRA action. And then we're back again uh, the week after. So for now on throughout the season, we're going week week for drags, week for NASCAR, back and forth. Uh, but you can check it out, eastboundpark.com. we got a lot of uh, a lot of people from all over Canada visiting Newfoundland and Labrador. Uh, these last couple of weeks, I've got a lot of requests, never been to Newfoundland, and wanted to come out and check out the NASCAR home track down here. Uh, but if you're coming down, man, we'd love to party with you. Uh, come out and check out eastboundpark.com. We we got lots of action right now till October, but this is a busy time. Uh, a lot of people coming down, kissing the fish and uh, and and drinking some screech. But uh, we really need to get Joe and Joe back here and uh, have a bit of fun. Hey, oh. I've already I've already had the headache. I mean, I've already had the screech. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, Mike, uh, you, you can take this one to the bank. I miss you guys more than you will ever believe. All of my friends out there, uh, some of the best quality years I've had in motorsports have been spent at Eastbound International Speedway. And they're not over by any stretch, brother. We are going to get together back out there. Hopefully one day do another race live and bring it to absolutely everybody in North America right here on Sirius XM. Live from the Rock. We'll do it one day. Soon as this pandemic is firmly in the history books, I can bet we're going to glue something together and be back out there. Uh, and I definitely look forward to it. And I know all the Race Time Radio broadcast team does too. We appreciate the time tonight on Race Time, as we always do. You have a good one, Mike James. And uh, please say hi to everybody out there and be safe. Hundred percent, uh, and you to you guys. Thanks for everything you do, you guys do. And uh, congratulations on your uh, no tech race up there at Sabo. I've been watching it. And uh, really proud of what you guys are doing for the sport. Dynamite stuff. Mike James, you be good. Say hi to everybody for us. 10-4. Be good, rubber duckies. You betcha. Mike James, Eastbound International Speedway Junior. You know what? We are plum dumb out of time on tonight's program. Man, that two hours went by real fast. We only got like 10 seconds Did left. Did you plan your outfit for the for the Look at Yeah, look at this. I even got, got my Eastbound sweater Eastbound on. Eastbound International sweater on. Look at you go. Incredible. We're all set up. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. That was a good night. Hey, that was a lot of fun. Uh, you can always find out more about that United Eight and Combined Four at Sobble Speedway. Uh, we won't beat a horse to death, but I want you to check it out. If you're a short track fan anywhere across North America, I'm telling you what. 
check it out. I think you'll really, really be intrigued by it. And uh, I, I think, Junior, you have changed something fundamentally in this sport. I believe we're looking at the future of stock car racing on a short track, at least for a class or two, everywhere in due time. I really do believe that. And it started right here at the beach inside your noggin, believe it or not. <laughs> Absolutely. That, that was a that was a long 10 seconds, by the way. You said we only had 10 seconds. Well, left. we got less You've than that now. You've been talking for like 30. Got to thank Sue right here in the Race Time Radio studio for hooking us up with our guests. Got to thank Scotty and all of our friends back at Sirius XM for having us on the air. We look forward to being with you again next Sunday night right here on Race Time Radio, always on Sirius XM, Channel 167, Canada Talks. Back to you in Toronto, Scotty. Take it away, buddy. Thanks for listening to Race Time Radio. Visit us on the web at www.racetimeradio.com. We hope you'll join us again next time for more Race Time Radio. Come on now, dig, dig, dig. Exclusively on your home for the hardcore race fan. Excellent, buddy, excellent.